It's Monday, May 9, 2022 in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. I'm Larry Gassman. It's time for Tech Talk. And we're going to talk about iOS a little bit and iOS 15 and features. And Anna Dresner has written a book about that. Uh, it is that, that came out some time ago. But we're going to talk about those features. And if you have questions, please uh, get them ready. And at some point, we will call on you. But first of all, welcome back to Tech Talk. It's been a little while since you've been here, Anna. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. Talk a little bit about the book. How long has it been out and what, what made you uh, write something specifically about iOS 15? Well, I've been doing uh, what's new in mm -hmm. iOS books for the past couple of years. Yeah. So this is just the last one in the series. Um, it Were came you doing out a couple months ago. When Jonathan was doing it or did you stop? Or no, start no. When, when, when I, Jonathan... Yeah. When Jonathan said he, you know, when Jonathan stopped, that's yeah. when um, I started doing them because it seemed uh -huh. like an important thing to have a book available when I, you know, when the new version came out. Um, unfortunately, National Braille Press um, feels that they shouldn't release any formats until the Braille is available, um, which is why the book ends up coming out, you know, months and months after the operating system. Um, but, uh, that is, you know, that's where we are. So yeah, it's been out. I, I don't remember exactly a couple months. Um, there's also an iOS 15 reference card. Um, so if you just need commands, you can get those. Also the reference card includes, um, a section on what things on the screen look like so that if you are blind and you're trying to help a sighted friend, uh, you know, you, you have some, hope of maybe being able to communicate about how that all works. Um, so that's also available. Um, the book is um, $18 and it is available in Braille, Daisy and Word, either um, electronic or on a, the, the electronic formats are on a flash drive or downloadable. It's $2 extra if you want to have it on a flash drive. And, um, the uh, DAISY is uh, synthesized text, you know, synthesized spoken text along with written text. So you can have it read to you or look at the text. Um, the reference card is $8 in Braille and Word. And again, um, you can download those or, um, uh, or get the electronic Braille uh, in hard copy or get them on flash drives. Um, what I thought I would do is, I mean, a lot of you have been using iOS 15 for months at this point. Um, so what I thought I would do is I kind of divided the, the topic up into some broad sections. I thought I would take a pretty quick move through just to kind of cover some of the big ones in case anybody is kind of still wondering. Um, I'll stop after each section to take some questions. And then when I've gotten through all the sections, then we'll kind of just throw it open to anything iOS, um, especially iOS 15. I can't promise you I'll know the answer, but I'll certainly try. And of course, there's a lot of very knowledgeable people here as well. So hopefully we can sort it out. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say, Larry, before I started or? No, no, go ahead. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. All right. Well, just to make it uh, clear from the start that um, while iOS 15 runs on all the same devices as iOS 14. Uh, not all features work on all devices. The big dividing line is the A12 Bionic chip, uh, which is in the iPhone 10s and 10R and 10s and 10s Max, and all the later iPhones. And um, there's a lot of different iPad models, so I don't have those all written down here, but you know, the ones that have come out in the last few years. And uh, Apple site's pretty good about comparing models and stuff. So if you need to know, I mean, there's also some, some newer devices even have more features, um, especially that are useful for Find My and stuff with a wideband Bluetooth. Um, but the A12 Bionic will get you most of the features. Um, so I'm gonna start with voiceover changes. Uh, the first one, I think, uh, or the first one is quick settings, which is a really interesting, uh, very cool feature. 
Uh, basically what you do is a two finger quadruple tap. So four times with two fingers, it brings up a screen with voiceover settings. You can control the order of those settings and which ones are there just like you can on the rotor. Um, I think that there's some really good things about this. One is it can declutter your rotor. I mean, I know for me, I find myself just turning the rotor and turning the rotor, trying to find the thing I want. Um, and now anything like sounds or audio ducking or speech rate or those kinds of things that you might want to change, you can put in quick settings and take off the rotor. Now you can have them both places. You absolutely can. But if you take them off the rotor, then that's fewer things you have to turn to. So it just makes it a little quicker to find what you want. It also makes it less likely that you're going to change something by accident. Um, last year, iOS added speech recognition, which can try to uh, figure out, well, screen recognition, I'm sorry, that's what I'm trying to say, screen recognition, which can try to come up, find and tell you about elements on the screen of an inaccessible app. Now, this has been really useful in certain instances. Like there was an app, I think it was the blood donor app, where the whole app is utterly accessible except the login screen. And turning on screen recognition made it possible to log in. So I was able to get through that unaccessible screen into an accessible app. But if you have screen recognition turned on in an app that is already accessible, it makes it unusable. Usually you won't be able to move around, you won't be able to do much of anything. And if screen recognition is on the rotor, where I had it for a long time, I found that I accidentally occasionally turned it on in an app. You know, you, you turn, you don't quite, it, you know, it doesn't quite stop where you think, you flick, and there it is. And you, you don't even realize you've done it until you come back and you can't use the app. But if you put screen recognition on the, on the uh, quick settings, it's still really easy to get to if you open an app and it, that should be accessible and isn't. But you're not, you know, it's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to accidentally open quick settings, find that and change it. So it's, it's much more deliberate. Um, so that is where quick settings really comes in handy. Uh, the other big change that VoiceOver made this year was adding a second navigation style. Uh, we've always had flat navigation where basically every element on the screen was just there. You flick right, you flick right, you'll get to everything. Um, now you can turn on grouped navigation if you want. And if you do that, in some apps, some of the content is gathered up into groups. Uh, like in the weather app, the 10-day forecast is a group, so you don't have to go through each single day. What's the forecast tomorrow? What's the forecast the next day, etc. If what you really want to know is what's the air quality, which is after that whole 10-day forecast. Then when you flick to a group, you get a slightly different sound that tells you that. Um, and then you can open that group with a different command. And when you do that, then flicking left and right would move you through the items in that group. And then you can flick right left with two fingers to get out of it so that you can go to other parts of the screen. Um, how useful that is really depends on the program that you're using, the app that you're using, and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, the um, another interesting thing about that is that sometimes the, excuse me, let me just mute that. <laughs> um, sometimes the, um, uh, the the quick the groups that you get are the same as containers. So that's something that's been around for a while, where like the dock is considered a container, um, and things. And and you can flick up to you can you know turn the rotor to containers and flick from one to the other. Sometimes the group navigation is the same as containers, and sometimes it isn't. So um, those they're both methods which can be useful in apps that have a lot going on. Uh, sometimes you could use either one. Sometimes you'll need to use one or the other. So that is kind of my overall of voiceover specific changes. Uh, does anybody have any questions about that specifically? No hands yet, Ron?
doesn't look like no hands up yet. Okay, then we will move on. Um, another major section is uh, making uh, pictures more useful. There's quite a few things that have been done in iOS 15 to make pictures more useful to, well, to everybody, but to blind people as well. Um, the first one is a voiceover feature called Explore Photos. When you have a photo, it can be in the Photos app or it could be on the web or pretty much anywhere that you find a photo, uh, you can turn the uh, rotor and flick up or down to explore photo and double tap. And then you'll be able to find out specifically where things are in the picture. Sometimes you can actually move your finger around and it might tell you where that you're now touching a specific thing or object or person or whatever. Uh, sometimes not, I haven't found that to work all that well necessarily, but you can certainly find out how many people are in the picture and where they are, that kind of stuff to give you a better idea of what the, what the picture looks like, if that's something that is important to you. Um, another feature, and this one is useful to everybody, is live text. Now live text, well, one of the ways you can use live text, basically what it does is it tries to find and recognize text in pictures. Uh, so you can use it kind of like you would use Seeing AI or one of those apps to point at your computer screen and try to read the text. I have not had particularly good luck with that. I think you're better off using one of the specialized apps, but it works also in photos that are already in your photo library or photos on the web or that sort of thing. That can be really great. Uh, my husband, when we were working on the book, took a picture of this flyer announcing an event and it had things like the phone number, to call to, for more information and the address and um, you know where the where the event was going to be, and all of those things were text and um, the phone was able to recognize those, um, and the phone number was actionable. You could uh, if you kind of flicked right through various things, you'd get to where the phone number was and it would say data detected phone number. Then you could flick up and there, or I guess double tap on it and then it would uh, give you the option to call the phone number. So, um, you know, this could be really useful. I mean, a lot of sighted people will take a picture of something um, like, oh, I'm interested in that event. And they'll take a picture of it. So let's say a friend of yours did that. Hey, you know, you want to go to this um, gathering on Sunday and then they send you a picture and it's got all the information. So, I mean, that's really useful. Um, even if you weren't the one taking the picture, you know, because you don't have to be, someone can send it to you and you can get that and act on those uh, things. Uh, photo info has gotten uh, better. So when you have a photo on screen from the photos app on the toolbar, there's a button called info. Uh, when you go in there, you can find out things like where the picture was taken and uh, how big it is and that sort of stuff. And, if it happens to be a picture of a landmark or a pet or something in nature or whatever, you will, um, it will say detected item before it says the word info. So when you flick to that, instead of just saying info, it'll say detected item info. And then you know that you also have a lookup option where it can look up that picture and tell you more about it. Uh, last summer, we, uh, my family and I went to the St. Louis Arch and uh, we took a picture, or John, my husband took a picture of everybody at the Arch. And then it, I, it said that, um, detected item info. So then when I chose that, I had the option to uh, look at a Wikipedia article all about the Arch. So it is really a neat way to find out more about your pictures so of what's what's in the pictures and working with that and then learning more about the picture depending on you know if it happens to be of something famous. Anybody have any questions about that? Um, actually, um, Aziz was before me. Aziz yeah, I didn't see him until until I call on you. So let him go first. There's one thing that you forgot to mention. So if you have like a something that you need to put into notes, and that's actually a piece of paper that has already printing in it on the bottom of, of the notes app there's like 
where you see the drawing feature, there's also the live text feature. If you click on that live text feature and take a picture using that live text feature, it will automatically translate that into a note. Um, like it will translate that into words and it will, it will, and it works in notes. And I think it also works on the web as well. That's excellent. That's really cool. Thanks for uh, telling us about that. And, um, and that's, a, that's good to know that that is a way to do that. Okay, so Nikki will go next. I, I'm not sure whether this is even an appropriate question, but um, I've had difficulty with it because I don't use voiceover and I don't use JAWS. Um, but when I send things to friends, I either send them email stuff. Um, sometimes they can't read it. So is there anything I can do as a sighted person to make whatever I'm sending readable to a person who is using JAWS or voiceover or whatever, because I know that there's specific things that if it's, if the photograph is a certain way or if the flyer is a certain way, it won't be able to be read. So is there anything I can do to make it easier? Well, mainly you want to make sure it's just as clear a picture as you can get that the text is unobscured. And if you're using an iPhone, um, live text works whether voiceover is on or not. So uh, you would be able to uh, check and see what it, what's coming up in live text. So it should give you a pretty good idea of what the person's going to get. Okay, but sometimes their phones can't read it. But I'm, I mean, if you're sending it to an iPhone user and you, you know you and you have an iPhone and it was showing you as live text, then that really should, you know, then then that you know that if they have a reasonably new phone, again, if they if they have one. I don't think live text works on ones that are older than the than the 10R, 10S. Uh, that might um, be because I have an iPhone yeah. 8. So that okay, might be. Okay, yeah, so you don't have it. So the main thing is then just make sure you've got it. You know, just, just get a cl as clear a picture as you can. Okay, um, thank and you hopefully very much. Be, sure. Thank you, Nikki. Also, you might want to check. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. You guys might want to check the the format is sent because if it's, um, I think, PNG or GIF, it might not work. Well, I mean, I'm, I, thought, I thought you could pretty much uh, get yeah. text from. I did too. From pretty much any picture if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's clear enough to have the text. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I was watching some videos today, and that's what I heard that depending on what format it is, I think JPEG and I think PNG is the two that is automatically converted. You could do GIF, but it might be a little bit harder. Um, and TIFF as well. It, but I don't know if you guys know any of that. I know I know quite a bit on that, but I'm not sure, but um, certainly, um, well, like the other one, of course, is JAWS Picture Smart, which has that ability. And I'm sure that if you look at the Picture Smart thing, it'll probably tell you which which formats. Um, yeah, it does. But I, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, I think most of those formats should work reasonably well, as long as the picture is pretty clear and a reasonably high resolution. All right. Anything and else? Thank you for the information. I just looked up live text and it says it's giving directions for iOS 15. So maybe I'll be able to work it on my phone, but I will check it out. And thank you so much. Sure. Like I said, I, I think with an, with an eight, you probably don't have it, but because um, I'm pretty sure that's one of the ones, a bunch of these features rely on artificial intelligence that is just not available on the older devices like the eight and the 10. <laughs> and I don't have any artificial intelligence. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, you have real intelligence, which is yes, better. Right. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Martin Nelson uh, has a question. With regard to the photo recognition, I have an iPhone 8, and I don't seem to see it when I go into my photos. Is it? Should I be able to do it on the iPhone 8? And if so, do I need to go into the rotor and find that function? 
No, I'm. I mean, you're so you're talking about exploring pictures, exploring photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm. My guess is that's also going to require um, at least the the next generation of. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. Sorry. And it looks like that's the end of questions thus far. Okay. So now this next section is. I called it dealing with distractions because and not lower. Yeah, it, it's kind of a funny Okay, now Anna is muted. Don't, don't know what happened there. All right. It said it there said I was muted and then unmuted. Okay, so we're good? Yep, we're good. All right, fantastic. Uh, all right, so it's kind of interesting because the these devices it's it's there's always this balancing act because on the one hand you have it's wonderful that you can get all this information from your device um, to be notified about breaking news or uh, messages from friends or um, that your sporting event that you're interested in is on or whatever um, it's all wonderful and people can message you and they can call you and that's great on the other hand, it, it can be really frustrating sometimes because all these people are calling you or there's all these notifications and they're distracting you when you're trying to get stuff done. And so um, as a result, Apple keeps trying to come up with more things to help you control how much information you get and when you get it. Um, and there's several ways that it does that. One is focus. Now we've been probably we've been using do not disturb for years which is the first of the focuses that they came up with and it when you turn it on uh, by default you don't get calls from anybody except your um, people you've designated as favorites uh, you don't get notifications uh, it can be really handy you can have it come on at a specific time of day well they've added a bunch of other focuses when you go into settings and you go into focus you will see do not disturb and you will see fitness, which basically by default, what it does is turn on when you are either doing a workout using the Apple Watch app, or my guess is if you turn on Fitness Plus, it would probably do the same thing. That's Apple's fitness service, but I haven't used it, so I can't I can't confirm that's what happens, but that's my guess, which is really nice. You know, if you're doing a yoga session and you're lying there in Shavasana, you don't really want to know that you know some new show just came out on netflix so um, those are there by default then there's the option for setting up several others including a driving focus which is kind of like the do not disturb while driving one that we used to have um, which the its most important thing is that if someone's driving and they have that on and someone tries to text them they'll get a message that says i'm you know i'm driving please uh, i'll call you back later or something like that um, but you can make these very specific to various situations and you can configure them in a lot of different ways. So you could have a focus come on at a certain time, uh, a work focus, for instance, that starts when you go to work and ends when you get done, or when you go to a certain place. If you actually go someplace to work instead of working from home, it will. Um, you could have it turn on when you get there and turn off when you leave. Uh, you could have it turn on when you open a specific app. And then besides controlling that, well, actually, before I go on, the one caveat I have about it when it opens a specific app is that for those to work, the phone has to be unlocked. Um, I was kind of excited because I sometimes I use this app called Bzzz for napping. And I thought, this is great. I'll have it turn on do not, I'll have it turn on a focus when I turn that app on. And that way I won't have to you know, worry about turning on do not disturb and then turning it off when I'm done. But I also lock the screen for that app because it's an audio app. And once it's playing audio and I've adjusted everything I need, I don't really want it, you know, burning up extra battery and all of that. So I lock the screen. And when you do that, the the uh, focus turns off. So you really, if you plan on locking the app, that, that really doesn't work, unfortunately. Um, there's also a smart mode where it tries to guess when you might want it to come on. 
I turned that off pretty quickly because I was just sitting there minding my own business and suddenly it came on and said, do not disturb is on. And I'm like, why? And I couldn't figure out any particular reason. And I just thought, I don't need that. Um, but so that's a lot of control. And then in terms, you have all this configurability in terms of when the focus comes on and when it goes off. But then, and then you can also control things like what, you know, what it does. So you could be very specific you know, say while you're reading, you could have a focus that says, okay, when I have um, voice dream reader open, I can, I want to hear from these people, but not these people. And you can be very, you can allow specific people through or specific groups through. So you, you could create a, a group that, you know, you would allow through, or you can decide which notifications, you know, maybe you want to get text messages, but you don't want to get breaking news or whatever. So you can very you can control very specifically you know which people and which apps can contact you and also you can do things like turn off some of your home screens so if you have some apps that you would use at work for instance but you don't want to be distracted you could have it so you could put all those apps on a home screen and then tell it to hide all your other home screens. Now you can still get to any of your other apps. This is not like screen time where you are actually restricted from using those apps after a certain time or whatever, but it, it makes it that a little bit harder. You, you have to actually, you know, use spotlight or use handwriting or braille screen input or the app library or something to get to them. You can't just flick to another home screen where they are. Uh, so those are all things you can do to, focus and the good thing is it's totally under your control so um and then if you don't if you don't like the way it works you can go in and change it um, you can turn them on and off in control center um, and use siri and that kind of thing as well so uh, that's really nice uh, another thing they've done for uh control your controlling information is the notification summary uh, there's some notifications that you know, you might want to always get, and there's some you might not. Um, I know I really don't need, I, I really don't want to get all my Facebook notifications during the day. I just want to see them at the end of the day. Okay, what, what happened? You know, I don't, it's just not that urgent. Um, and so if that's the case, you can set up a notification summary that says, okay, at 10 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock in the morning or where, whenever you want. Um, I want this summary with the notifications that I don't care as much about. And you can also, you can have it set up so that you don't even know those notifications are coming in until the, that summary, or you can have it so that as they're building up in there, it can, it can say, you know, Facebook five notifications. And you, so you know that those are kind of building up in the summary. So if you're, really want to know sooner, you can open that summary and see what's there. Um, and then the other one for keeping uh, distractions at bay is background sounds. Um, if you're in a particularly noisy environment or you get distracted by things in your environment, you might want to have your phone create a nice steady sound. And um, they have things like waves and and rain and uh a stream there aren't that many of them but they're there and they're it's a very steady sound you can control how loud it is you can either have it on basically all the time so you turn it on in control center and then leave it on as long as you want even with the screen locked and then when you're done with it you turn it off or you could have it just come on while you are listening to media apps and you can control the volume separately for you know how it is when it's on by itself or how it is under your media um, if you're interested in that you would want to go to accessibility audio visual and uh, background sounds is in there now any questions about uh this distraction reduction type stuff there are not not currently I didn't know some of of what you just talked about existed, especially as it relates to notifications. I just turned them off because all of a sudden sure. I got Facebook and email and I thought, no, this is not going to be. And I went into settings and turned them all off. Uh, so I didn't know that, that, that you could actually 
manipulate them the way you just mentioned. So that's good. Yeah, it's great. Cause yeah, there are definitely some notifications. I'm like, I don't care. I don't ever want to see these and you absolutely can turn those off, but it's kind of neat to have this middle ground as well, where you can say, yeah, I want to know about them, but I don't need to know every time one comes through. So, all right. Hi, Nikki. Ever since I believe it's iOS 15, um, I get a noise when I beep, when I mute and when I unmute. And most of the time I have earphones in and it goes right through my ear. It's very irritating and sometimes it hurts. And I've talked to Brad about it. I've talked to a lot of people and it doesn't seem to bother other people, but it really bothers me. And I've written to them. I've called them. There's a hotline. There have been so many complaints about it and there's no way to turn it off. Isn't there any way that um, we could persuade them or, or have you found a way to turn it off, but it may not, it may not show up with, with the voiceover. It may, I'm, I'm not quite sure because I haven't used it. Does it tell you that you're unmuted and muted or do I you get a really noticed a sound? I mean, it, it basically when I, you know, when I, when I mute, it vibrates and when I unmute, it says unmuted. I, I've never really heard. Okay. A, I've, I've never noticed. Yeah. Well, this one goes with that. And then it goes bloop, and then it goes bloop, and then it goes bloop, and it's quite noisy. It's very mm. irritating. But the the Apple person, the people that I've talked to at Apple, say, "Well, there's nothing we can do. You just have to write and complain." Huh. So that I'm, doesn't seem very responsive to me. But I'm glad I, I don't have your phone. Me, well, me too. Yeah. And I'm not <laughs> buying another iPhone until they straighten this out. It's, because I've, it's on I'd the newer ones as well. No, I haven't heard of that either. I said, I've no, we just haven't it. haven't heard of it. No, no. I, I, what's the problem? Well, the problem well, is she I, hears I, a beep every time she she mutes, unmutes, etc. The phone makes oh, it says they're pretty loud. You know what? Yeah. I I would suggest you actually check into the app that does that exactly. Not that Do I, what? I don't I don't think it's iOS problem. I think it's actually the apps problem i think you have to change something within the app which app though so whatever app that that thing is happening in. oh every everything when i'm on a phone call yeah. when i'm on zoom when i'm on agora when i'm on I mean, teams everything have you gone into sound settings and just you know yes. that's where most of that stuff and you can control you know there's like volume of ringer mm. and alerts so right. if you turn that yeah, down, but there's a no bit, place for might... turning it off. But I mean, if you turned down the volume of ringer and alerts a little bit, maybe it would turn that down at least. Well, I've done that, but then I can't hear the people I'm talking to. Well, that's yeah. a different thing. See, when when you're talking to someone, adjusting that volume shouldn't adjust the volume of uh, system sounds and stuff. No. Um, and especially, I would go in. In sound settings, there is a control that says adjust with volume controls. And if you turn that off, then the volume of your ringer and alerts is going to be stable, no matter what you're doing with the volume of what you're listening to. And so then you could get it to a level that's, that is manageable. Is it? So would that be under sounds and haptics? Uh, no, that's no. a voiceover thing. So you want to go. Oh, I see. Okay, you but go I don't settings. use voiceover. I right. don't use voiceover. So you, so you want to go to settings and then you want to go to sound. Oh yeah. I see what you mean. That's right. I guess it is called that there too. So yeah, go to settings okay. and sounds and haptics, turn the ringer of volume and alerts sound thing down a little bit. Now, you know, you'll have to see if that makes your ringtone too quiet, um, but it's oh, certainly worth a try. I see ringer and alerts, but that does not, that doesn't change the, the sound of somebody you're talking to. Correct. That might work. That might work because it only started, it was either iOS 14 or 15. All of a sudden it started. And the first time it happened, I almost fell off my chair. Huh. <laughs> so, well, I mean, so I thank would definitely you. mess with that. And, and hopefully that'll at least make it less of an, less annoying. Thank um, you very just, much. Thank you, Nikki. Isaiah, yes, go ahead, please. Um, I actually think I might have solved her problem. I think is it when she's using headphones? It's any time when she changes, when she turns the silent switch on and off. Ooh, okay. Okay. Because if okay. it really, 
really a curse when she's using headphones. I think she should go into audio visual under accessibilities. And there are some toggles that she can play around with and see if that works. Oh, okay. Thank you. Because I did, I turned the alerts totally off and I still got it. So I'll, yeah. I'll play around with accessibility. Thank you very yeah. much. Very good. Thank you very much. We have an iPhone mini. I don't think the iPhone wants to ask the question, but yeah, I see an iPhone user ready. This is Margaret up in Maine. Am, am Hi, I on? Margaret. Yes, you are. I, Hi. I, I, I guess I should change my name from iPhone mini sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I was using the touch screen and I was trying to type as little as possible. So I just crossed out SE and wrote mini. <laughs> it's a question about the sort of soothing sounds, Anna, that you were mentioning. Um, mm -hmm. And someone was just recommending them for those of us that have sleep and insomnia issues. And what I was wondering is, um, do you have to worry about battery um, draining and and do you set them for a specific time or is the screen locked or how, how does that can you elaborate on that a little bit thank you you can actually have it um you know you, you can have it on you you can set it so that it turns off when you lock the screen or keeps going when you lock the screen um now if you were going to use it all night i would definitely want to you know you definitely would want to plug it in but of course you probably have it plugged in at night to do iCloud backups anyway um so that wouldn't be a problem. It doesn't really, there's not a timer or any of that. If you want something that's going to go off after a certain amount of time or come on to wake you up or something, th this is not the technology you would want to use. Um, because basically, if you have it set so that you can lock the screen or, well, if you have it set so that it locks when you lock, stops when you lock the screen, obviously you lock the screen and it goes off. If you have it set to stay on, it's just going to keep going until you turn it off. Okay. Okay. So I need, to, I just need to be mindful of, I, I've often woken up long enough to turn off the book and realized I missed like six chapters or whatever. Right. Thank you very much. You may <laughs> want to use something else that has, you know, actual sleep timers and stuff because those things are out there and they're free and, you know, a lot of cases. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, okay. but it, you. you know, it's there. Good, good to know. Thank you so much. I've done that on the Victor Reader stream too. It has nothing to do with the phone. Sometimes you just forget. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <Sure>. forget. <laughs> well, yeah. That's they. They have those sleep timers for a reason. Sure. Yeah. They, sure. They're, they're really helpful. Yeah. I uh, do not see any other hands. All right. And I, you know, I know I'm going through some of this really quickly. I'm just sort of, you know, just like okay, overall, what to expect. Okay, I'm just going to talk briefly about Safari and privacy. Um, one thing that has been annoying. Where did she go? All right. It, yeah, it said the host muted me. Yeah, I didn't. I <laughs> Do you not want to hear about Safari? <laughs> if you don't want to hear about Safari and privacy, just tell me and I'll stop. <laughs> uh, technology. Anyway, when you get ios 15 i mean a lot of people found it pretty annoying that the address bar was at the bottom of the screen um, fortunately you can change that you can move it up to the top um, you're going to want to go into safari settings um can we mute there's someone kind of mumbling yeah, and... i'm trying to find them okay sorry i'll just keep going um, so if you go into Safari settings, there's a, a heading called tabs and there's two switches under that. And they're, they have the really cryptic names of tab bar for current or tab bar and single tab. Uh, tab bar is, it's going to be at the bottom of the screen and single tab, it will put the address bar back at the top where you would be more likely to expect it. Um, another thing that has changed is. Uh, they've added a feature called tab groups, which allows you to, if you've got a bunch of tabs open, you can have those in different groups. And then when you switch to one of those groups, you have just those tabs listed. So you could have a group of like all your work stuff gathered into one tab group and your uh, games or something in another. Now, this does not remember what was in them. If you close a tab from a tab group and then you re and then you know the next time you choose that tab group the the tab will not be there this is not a way to bookmark a bunch of tabs um but it is a way to just to organize them 
Uh, the other thing is, I know I, I, t I tend to not like having a whole bunch of tabs open. So after I've had a bunch of tabs open, I like to go in and choose close all and just get rid of them. Um, if you use tab groups, you would need to hit close all on each individual tab group if you wanted them all to close. But if you do like, I know some people love having a whole bunch of tabs open. And if you do, then being able to gather those into a related group could be very convenient. Um, there are a couple of things while you're in Safari settings that you might want to look at. Um, there's some new Safari settings um, in the privacy and security section of Safari settings. Uh, there's prevent cross-site tracking, which is good. It helps keep apps from tracking you when you leave their website and go somewhere else. Hide IP address. Your IP address is um, unique to your either your computer or your network, and it will tell people things like where you are, and some companies will use that information to track you. So you might want to hide it, and you can be somewhat, you have some control over how much you hide it. So it may be that it only shows your country, or maybe it only shows your region, so you can still use um, weather information through Safari um, if you want. Um, but anyway, then there's some other ones that were in there before, but that's worth looking at those to kind of set them where you want. Um, Apple also used, added something called iCloud, well, uh, iCloud Plus. Uh, for a long time, you've been able to pay for extra storage in iCloud, but if you do that, you now get a couple of extra features. Uh, one is iCloud, iCloud Private Relay, and that basically, makes it so that when you're using Safari, and there'll be more apps that participate in this over time probably, um, you will be able to um, keep, it's another way to keep uh, sites from knowing who you are and, and where you're going. Because basically when you request to go to a site, your request goes through two different servers. One of them knows who you are, but not where you wanna go. And the other one knows where you wanna go, but not who you are. And so that information being separate keeps it more private. It's a little like using a VPN, but it does not give the site information about where you are. So you can't use it um, to, to, you know, pretend you're in Europe so you can watch something that's not available here or that kind of thing. But it will help with just basic privacy when you're using Safari. Um, another thing that um, is part of iCloud Plus is hide my email. Um, which allows you to, when, when you go to a site and they tell you you have to sign up um, for an account to use their service, it can create a random email address. It, the email will get, that they send will to that address will come to you, it'll get forwarded to you. But if it turns out they're spammers and you want to, you can just delete that address and then they can't reach you anymore. Um, it also will keep, um, keep email senders from knowing that you read the e whether you read the email and that sort of thing um, because they they have messages that that's something that they've been able to do um, you know and so if you if you don't really want them to know whether you read their email or not you can turn that on as well in email settings um, the final couple of things that are available in iCloud plus um, are account recovery uh, where you can designate somebody uh, that could help you recover your information. It won't give you everything back, but if you forgot your password and didn't have any trusted devices around, it would at least give you access to some of your stuff. And you can set up a legacy contact, which is someone who would be able to access your account in the event that you died. And those things are in Apple ID, settings, password, and security. So I know that's a lot of stuff. Um, you could go into a lot of detail, but I just thought, you know, that's just sort of an overall of the kinds of new privacy settings that have been added. Any questions about that? We have two. I see Viola has her hand up. Hello. Hi, Anna. Um, been looking Hi. at your books forever and enjoying all of them. Um, I usually get them under electronic format. But I am an instructor here in Washington State, and I have a client who is not only has never seen an iPhone before, 
never even, I mean, he had a flip phone before this and he wants a smartphone and he wanted to try to learn to use it. There are a couple of really good um, audio documentate, you know, like audio tutorials and stuff. But the problem with them, and this is not about the Safari thing, but it's already, you know, like 10 to six. So I thought I'd better ask. Um, there, it, it wasn't simple enough. It talked about iPhone and iPad and the home button. And he has an iPhone 13 Pro Max. So he doesn't have a home button. And I couldn't find any resources to help somebody who has never used voiceover, never even been able to look at a screen or, you know, to help him along with the lessons that I'm teaching him. I wanted him to have something he could look at between lessons, between the times we get together sure. so he can have questions for me when I come back, you know, so I can sure. prove to him mm -hmm. or he can prove that he's been doing his homework. You know what I mean? Sure. Because sure. a lot of the um, students, they won't do that. So. Right. Uh, uh, well, I am there. I, I there will be a book getting started with iOS 15. Of course, we have um, National Braille Press has done getting started with iOS 14. Um, and then the, the iOS 15 version will be out probably in the next month or two, um, which does start you from the beginning. Now, of course, it does have to talk about all, you know, the ones, how to do this stuff if you have a home button and if you don't and all that, because there's a lot of different iPhones. Um, it does, it is focused mostly on the iPhone. There's a little bit about iPads, but not a ton. Um, you know, but it, it's definitely the idea is to try to help somebody uh, get, you know, started who hasn't done this before. So that may be of some help. Um, I know Hadley's got uh, some resources. Uh, Apple Viz has some guides. Um, okay, so I will I'll, look there. Because the, the one I was referring to, you probably know, the one I was referring to and didn't mention it, you know, it's 2020, but I think it's already has too many things that are out, almost outdated at this point. Sure. Um, so, okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Aziz has his hand up now. I just have a question because right now I am subscribed to um, um, Apple one and Apple One has, I'm not, you said something about iCloud, iCloud Plus. Is that mm -hmm. included in Apple One, do you know, or? I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, you need to check on the subscription. It should list everything that's in there. Basically, do you pay for more than five gigs, of, than the five gigs of free storage that came with your phone? Like what I know that I pay for is I pay for iTunes, I pay for extra storage, I pay for um, I pay well, for i iTunes, I pay for um like because now iTunes is available on the Google Home. That's another thing I wanted to mention. Um, so if someone has iTunes, they can actually use their Google Home to right. you know. Um, but in terms of your question, well, if you're paying for extra storage, so like if you go into iCloud and you go to manage storage, if there's more than five gigabytes there, then you are paying for extra storage either through the Apple One thing or, or through another plan. It will tell you on that page um, how much storage you're paying for, how much it costs, and all of that. So that's what how I would I do. Is, so if you go into... Um, you know, the top of settings, the first thing up with where it's got your name, okay. you know, you go in there and then you go to iCloud settings. And then um, I think it's, I think it's probably called iCloud storage or managed yeah. storage, something like that. Okay. And that'll tell you all the information about how much storage you're using and how much you have. Okay. Um, and okay. if any plan that involves paying for storage gets you all those other iCloud plus features as well. Yeah. Um, whether I, you're paying... I, whether you're paying a dollar for 50 gigs or you're paying, you know, more than that, whatever level you get those features. Yeah, I think Apple One includes all that because that's the only future that they just implemented. I think that could be. That's how you would tell. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
Sure. Um, but uh, let's see, health. Uh, there's a, a few kind of useful things in health that they've added. Um, a lot of it involving sharing information. So um, if you have a relative whose health you're concerned about and they have an iOS device, um, you can set it up, I mean, with their permission or what, you know, they can set it up however, so that you can see certain health metrics. Um, so that way, like if you were concerned somebody might have a heart attack, you would be told if they had an irregular heartbeat or something of that sort. Um, and it's, it's very specific, you know, which information, I mean, a person sharing can control specifically what they're sharing. And you can also set it to share certain information with your doctor. Um, if you happen to be on, have access to uh, certain companies, um, like, you know, certain medical systems, you can connect that so that you will see your medical records in the health app, including things like lab test results. Um, there is measurement of walking steadiness, which uh, will try to get a sense of how likely you are to fall. And um, if you come out low on that, they can, it has, they've got some recommendations of things you could try to improve it. Um, and then there's also uh, trend reports. So you can be told, hey, your step count is going up or your resting heart rate is changing, is going down or something. I have found it pretty difficult to actually go in and see what has changed, but at least it gives you some idea of, of overall changes. Um, and then if you have an Apple Watch, you can use sleep tracking. So if you turn on um, their sleep features, then uh, which can include wind down where you only have access to certain apps um, in the like say half an hour before bed or whatever. Um, it can wake you up at a specific time. And if you're wearing your Apple Watch, it can keep track of things like your respiration. Um, and so it's a way of, of uh, tracking your sleep. You have to wear the watch to bed if you do that, which means you need to charge it at some other time of day. But if that's something that you're interested in, it will do it automatically. And I'm just going to go ahead and go through some miscellaneous features as well. Um, and uh, which, let's see, first, the first is changes to the iPad. Um, the app library is now on the iPad and you can move widgets to any of your home screens just like you can on um, iOS. Uh, the Translate app is available on the iPad. So uh, kind of nice to have those uh, features that the iPhone has had for a while. And um, multitasking is a little better. There's a control, it used to be, if you wanted to open uh, two apps on the iPad in split view, say, where one's on each side of the screen, you had um, the second app had to be in the dock. Now it doesn't. There's a control you can say, I want to open apps in split view, and then uh, you're just taken to your home screen, and you can open the second app just like you normally would. So it simplifies that a little bit. And the iPad has the ability to do quick notes where from anywhere you can do a keystroke or a gesture that will start a note. Uh, the, the iPhone can edit notes, but cannot create them from scratch. Uh, you can reorder or delete your home screens. So if you put a bunch of stuff on one home screen and you say, you know, I want that higher in the stack, you can change the order. Or if you just say, you know, I'm sick of home screens, I want to do everything in the app library. Now, I haven't actually done this, so I don't know if it requires you to keep any of them or if you can delete absolutely everyone. But you can delete home screens and not just hide them, but delete them so that they are actually gone. When you do that, the apps that were on there are still available through the app library. Uh, one kind of nice one is that there's more flexibility about updating your phone. So in the past, if there was a security update that came out, the only way you could get it was to update to the latest iOS. Uh, now, at least for a while, I don't think that's still the case, but I know like in the fall, I had the choice um, um, to update just to get the security update or to update to iOS 15. So that's really nice if you, know, if, if you wanna wait a little while before you update your operating system 
you can still get security updates. Um, so that's a really lovely thing. Just make sure if you want to do that, make sure you turn off automatic updating. And that, of course, would be in settings, general, software update. Uh, FaceTime is kind of a neat, they've done a lot with that so that you can create a meeting link to send to somebody to have a FaceTime video meeting with. Um, if you put that in a calendar invite, they will include a, a time and date. If you just send them a link, it doesn't have that information. So you would need to include it if, if it's something you want to do later. Um, there's uh, one of the kind of cool things about it is a, uh, a, a it's called um, SharePlay, which if you, which allows you to say, share music or movies or things, and it can be very interactive. So if you, and if people on a call are sharing music, it can create, it creates a queue of music and then people can add their own stuff to it or um, anyone can stop or start playback or move to the next track or previous track. Um, so that's really flexible. However, for this to work, everyone has to have the service in question. So if several people have Apple Music and somebody doesn't, the person who doesn't won't be able to participate in the share. I'm pretty sure that's still true um, for all the participating apps. So if say there's a movie you want to share with people and it's on um, Hulu and you don't know whether everyone else has Hulu, you, for something like that, you probably would want to do a Zoom meeting where you share audio and video instead because then everyone would be able to watch. They wouldn't be able to control it the way you can in SharePlay, but everyone would be able to watch whether they had access to that service or not. Um, Siri is faster because when it can, it processes things on your device. So if you ask to open an app or set a timer or those kinds of things, Siri is going to just do that without going to the internet. It will go to the internet if you want to search for something or, or something like that where you specifically need to. But if it can, it'll process it on your device and do dictation on your device. Um, I'm pretty sure you need the A12 Bionic chip for that, and it also only works for certain languages. Um, but if it does work for you, it is going to uh, just happen automatically. You don't have to do anything to turn it on. You'll just notice that Siri works much quicker than it did before. And finally, there's a thing called shared with you. So if someone sends you a picture or a link, um, then you can open the app where that is and see a shared with you section. So if someone shared a link, you could open Safari and it would be there in, there'd be a shared with you section in Safari that would have that link. So you don't have to remember who sent me that link and uh, find that in your messages app. So it just makes it easier to deal with content that you've shared. Well, it's a pretty whirlwind trip, but it is, um, you know, it's a lot of the major features that are in iOS 15. Of course, the book goes into a fair amount of detail about most of those um, to get you going. It was written in September, October. So of course, some things have changed since then. Um, but that is, um, you know, that, that's pretty much an overview of, of the kind of stuff that's covered. Um, so good. at this point, if, if people have questions about iOS 15 in general, um, we can we'll, we'll try we'll to do we Yeah, we'll take them after we close because we're going to wrap up now. But all right, if you're able to say for a couple of minutes, perhaps we can do that. Sure. Let's uh, get some contact information from you, if you don't mind, in case people have questions for you. Uh, sure. You can get the book. You can go to www.nbp.org. And um, if you search for iOS 15, um, you know, there's a search box right on that front page and it'll, the, the reference card and the getting started book will come right up and you can order them from there. Very good. As you, usual, another terrific presentation. It's amazing how much stuff they have on iOS 15. I could go for days and never read the same thing twice. And thanks so much yeah. for the book. It's terrific. Oh, thank you. Next week, pre-recorded, Joshua Hendrickson will be here, although he will be here after his presentation to answer questions. On the um, Hable One keyboard, it's a Bluetooth uh, Braille keyboard. And 
very popular. I'm seeing a lot about it on lists and uh, didn't get a chance to see it at CSUN, but, uh, but he has looked at it and has talked about it, recorded, and we will present that next week. So thanks so much for being with us. Join us next week on Tech Talk.